One year anniversary, wow, fantastic. It's uh, years gone by so, so fast. And, uh, you know, I want to firstly just uh, say thank you to all of you for being a part of the transition. I mean, it was a huge undertaking to, you know, as a large church, to become a part of another church was actually uh, no small feat. So I want to, you know, on behalf of, uh, you know, Church Unlimited and the, the board and the rest of the team, to say thank you to all of you for your graciousness, your humility, and uh, just flowing in with uh, what we're seeking to do here in Whangarei, but also throughout the nation. And, uh, you know, we've made such good progress here as well, and I know there's great days ahead. I do want to thank all the um, the pastors and the staff of uh, Church Unlimited Whangarei for their part in the transition, plus the, the board that was in place at the time, and thank them for all their hard work uh, over the years, but also particularly in this last year, as they've transitioned into a whole new uh, system and leadership. But also, thank you to all of you, uh, because you actually are Church Unlimited, and without you here, I wouldn't be here either. <laughs> there would actually be no Church Unlimited, and so the part that you've all played, all the volunteers, all those of you who work so hard, week in and week out, to make this place happen, and it is happening. So look, we thank you all, and we also thank God for his faithfulness to us. So why don't we put our hands together for just everything and everyone, and for God as well. <clears throat> you know, I was driving up here a couple of hours from Auckland, and as Adrian and I always do, we normally won't take anyone in the vehicle with us because we pretty much pray the whole time, and it's a bit of a tall ask for everyone else to come along. I mean, we tried to bring Don with us once, but he fell asleep in the prayer time after five minutes, so we thought, we're not bringing him again with us. So, uh, <clears throat> so we just kept it to Adrian and myself. But <clears throat> just coming up here, just, you know, after you've prayed for a, you know, a good period of time, you do start to feel things and start to sense things. And, uh, and um, you know, as I was thinking about being here and, um, you know, a couple of thoughts came, to, came into my heart. One is that it, it is... Uh, it is time for breakthrough. It's not my sermon right this morning, but uh, it's time for breakthrough in your life. He is the Lord of the breakthrough. And there are seasons in which, you know, it just sort of happens real quick. So I want you to begin to expect that more and more in your own lives, but also in Church Unlimited Whangarei as well. And I also want to encourage as many of you as you can to get down to New Zealand beyond 2017. I know you hear a lot about it. But there's a couple of reasons for it. One, you'll capture the DNA of who Church Unlimited is. And the more you capture that, the more we can really flow in together. But I just felt also as I was driving up here, there's, it's connected to New Zealand and beyond as well, but I believe there's going to come a shift at the conference next year, a shift in Church Unlimited, and I, I trust to other churches as well. And I think in two particular areas, I think one, there's going to be a shift or a new era, I'm going to call it, of encounter with God. How many of you are ready for some more encounters or greater encounters than you had in the past? I believe there's going to come a new era of that, and there's going to be this upper room experience that we believe will happen at New Zealand Beyond next year. But also there's going to come a new era of evangelism. Just watch what happens next year. God's going to launch something, that's going to, and we're going to speak on it, talk about it a bit at conference as well. But I believe for Church Unlimited, but we pray beyond that for our nation, a new era of evangelism. So it's so exciting to hear about the outreach that you've got this Friday, uh, reaching out into the community, because I think it's going to be, uh, it's, there's going to be a whole lot more of that. And we're going to see a lot of people mobilized in this area who don't even know they're gifted. 
in the area of reaching lost people. After all, isn't that what it's about? Jesus came, why? To seek and save the lost. Remember, you were lost once, and you thank God that you're saved. Now, well, let's help someone else to find, uh, uh, find God as well. Hey, I've just been in India. Uh, when was it? I just got back on Monday, Tuesday, somewhere this week, and uh, had, had just had a fabulous time. So we're going to throw some photos up. You guys got those photos there for us? Firstly, I spoke at uh, India Evangelical Team, which has, uh, uh, they, they have um, they've planted 11,000 churches, and uh, they oversee 7,000 because there's a lot of coming and going. And so this was their, 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 their leaders of leaders of leaders, all right? This was the best 400 of their leaders that gathered together. Well, there's about six or 700 in the end. And, uh, and we, we were there for three days. We did uh, seven sessions together and really, really had a terrific time. Let's go to the next one. Uh, because why I'm showing you this is this is your ministry. You are Church Unlimited, and so we all are part of this together. This guy on the left-hand side was an untouchable. Now, then he got saved, and now he oversees, not only a pastor, he oversees 30 churches. From untouchable to overseeing 30. That's, that's fruit, isn't it? Isn't that awesome? So I had the privilege of ministering to him, and the guy on the other side, he oversees, I think, 50 churches um, there as well. What was the next one at the end of the conference? Let's go to the next one there. There you go. <laughs> That's, they gave me an outfit. They always give me outfits to wear while I'm up there. So put that on on the last day. And then they, they love to honor you right at the very end. So they throw you up on their shoulders and throw you around the place. And uh, yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a great, great, probably the, the best time of ministry overseas I have ever had was uh, last, just last time because it is a new era. It's a new era for all of us, a new era of God's presence, a new era of His anointing. The prophetic was astounding, honestly. It was just amazing. Then I went down to speak for Pastor David Mohan in Chennai. It's a church of 40,000 people who actually turn up, all right? This is not, you know, the, the, the seat, auditorium seats over 5,000, and in every service, virtually, there's an overflow room, so at least a couple of overflow rooms. So give, give, us, give us another shot of that one. If there's, is there another one of that? Yeah, that's just the other side of it as well. There's uh, Reverend David Mohan there, and I spoke for them five times, and again, you know, God was, was really good to us, and uh, so he said, look, anytime I'm anywhere in that area, please come in and, and bless the church. Is there any more on that, or is that, that all we've got? Is, there, is that it? That's it, team? Okay, so there you go. So, hey, look, Church Unlimited is having impact, and now we have an open door to a church of 40,000 people uh, to go and minister whenever we're around that place. And they're currently um, planning to put up a new auditorium to seat 50,000 people. And I know that the first day it opens, it will be multiple services because it will be absolutely packed out. So, you know, God's doing some amazing things around the globe, isn't he? And it's, uh, it's really just exciting to see and also for Church Unlimited to be a part of it. Who's come to hear God's word this morning? You're hungry? Yeah, I, b- I believe there's a word I've got in my heart that uh, uh, it, it, I trust is going to really help you and impact you and bless you this morning. Um, I always believe when we come to church, we should leave different from when we came. Is that right? Because you can't be with God and nothing happen. So believe for yourself to when you, by the time you walk out the door that you'll be a little bit closer to Jesus and, and a little bit nearer to know, or deeper to knowing Him and loving Him as well. Father, as we come into Your presence right now, we thank You for the worship. We thank You for all that's gone before. And now as we come to Your Word, Father, let it speak to each and every one of us. 
Father, we're not here for just another message. Father, we can get those off the internet anytime. But Lord, we want to hear your voice to us personally. Father, a rhema word that is packed with the power of God. A rhema word that will move us forward, that will transform us, that will help us to break through, Lord, and to be all that you've called us to be. So, Father, this morning we receive from the very hand of God. We receive from heaven itself into our lives, into our spirits. We receive transformation, not just information this morning. Father, we're moving forward together. And, Lord, we're going to make a difference in Whangarei and beyond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have noticed or you probably are aware that in uh, Hebrews 11, the great uh, chapter on the heroes, God's heroes, you know, Abraham and Moses and David and all the rest of them. And it's always amazed me that when God had to pick one word to characterize his champions, I would have thought he would use, there would be people of great love because isn't love the greatest? And I thought if it wasn't love, second on the list has got to be prayer because prayer is what moves the hand of God. And I thought, gosh, it's none of those. I thought, okay, if it's not either of those two, it's got to be holiness because, hey, we want to be made in the image of Jesus. But he bypasses all of those three and he says, no, no, my champions are men and women, young people of faith. And I thought that about that for a while, and then I realized, well, it actually makes sense, because it actually takes faith to live a holy life. Is that my right? It takes faith to love uh, the person next to you. Well, no, maybe love the unlovely or people who are difficult to love. And it takes faith to see answers to prayer. So that's why God bypasses all those three things, and he says, no, my champions are men and women of faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And maybe we could turn that around and say, faith is the thing that really pleases God. So I want to encourage you in whatever you're facing today, whatever you're wanting, whatever you're desiring, uh, whatever you're looking for from God, uh, I encourage that, you know, to have that attitude of faith and say, God, I'm believing you. God, I'm trusting you. I know you're going to come through. I know it's going to work out. And let your faith in God be strong because that's the thing that really pleases God. So we're going to look at a story of tremendous faith found in Matthew chapter 15. So if you've got your Bibles, you might want to stick with this passage because we're going to go through it. A little bit of an exegesis, if you like. Verse 21, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Here's a woman in great trouble. All right? You may be able to identify with her in some way. But he answered her, not a word. Real friendly, wasn't he? And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away. (laughs) Tell her to get lost. (laughs) Those are good old disciples, eh? (laughs) Champions of faith. For she cries out after us. In other words, leave us alone. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. This is some conversation, isn't it? You know, Jesus and this woman, you know. (laughs) And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that 
very hour. We're going to see some keys to having great faith. It's only said of one other person in all of Scripture, and that was the Roman centurion. So I want to trace her journey, and hopefully you can walk with me and allow your faith to grow at the same time. The mother probably worshipped a foreign god, Ashati. We're not sure, but that's the region she was in. And that may have been fine and okay while everything was going well. But when trouble came to her home, her gods were powerless. And friends, the gods of this world, whether it be another religion, whether it be money, it be appearance, whether it be success, they're all okay until you face a real problem and then you find that they are hopeless and useless to give you any help to get you through the thing that you're facing. And the first step this woman takes from probably worshiping in a foreign god is she turns to Jesus, who is the only real source of help in our lives. And you know, most of you here today are facing problems. If you're not facing any problems, you're probably not alive. Because welcome to the world. Anybody here got a problem? Just give us a wave. Is it not, not, not in Whangarei? It's all only down in West Auckland, is it? All right. Well, listen to the message anyway and pray for someone else. But we all have problems. Uh, but the same person who was the answer to this woman's problem is your answer as well. And his name is Jesus. There is no mountain too high. There is no valley too deep. There is no problem too difficult that our Jesus is not the answer to. Is there an amen anywhere in the house this morning? We're talking about the God of creation who's on our side, who's with us, and who is in us. I have found over the years when trials hit Christians, you've got two groups of people. There's one group of people that says, okay, God, if you're not coming through for me, I'm out of here. See you later. I'm not following you. I'm not serving you. They, they either backslide or they take a backseat or they, whatever they do. Then there's this other category of people that have noticed over the years when trials strike, they just go deeper into God. They seek up, they, you know, they just chase after God because they are smart enough to realize that He alone has the answers. He alone is the one who can come through for them. And my Bible says the righteous run into the name of the Lord. If you've got a problem today, turn to Jesus with all your heart. You might say, I'm already saved. Yeah, but turn to Him even more and give Him everything you can. All right. Galatians 5 verse 6 says, faith works through love. This woman loved her daughter dearly. She really loved her daughter. You see, love is a great key to faith. Somehow love mobilizes the power of God in our circumstances and our situations. So really, you want to summarize this story. It's a story of great love, but also of great faith. And the two together became a powerful combination that resulted in this daughter being healed. And it says after there that, that um, in verse 21, he answered her not a word. Ever felt that way? Crying out to Jesus, calling upon his name. He acts like he didn't even hear her. Can't imagine what that would have been like for her, but it just seems so unkind. And at times, God is going to go silent on us, even when we're in the deepest and darkest place in our lives. God sometimes goes silent. And uh, this woman, think about it, 
If you weren't having this encounter with Jesus, she could have walked away angry, disappointed, offended, but she didn't. She didn't walk away from Jesus. Even though everything was going counter to what she was expecting Jesus to do in this conversation, she doesn't walk away. She hangs in there. And uh, two reasons. Uh, One is she loved her daughter so much that she would put up with anything until she got her answer. She wasn't going to give up. But also, silence of Jesus tested her faith. Has God gone silent on you at the moment? You're needing an answer. You're needing direction. You're needing to know what to do. It's all silent. You're wondering what's going on, and there's just nothing coming through. I received this testimony from one of our church members. They said, uh, God spoke to me to come to New Zealand. And he said it was an amazing encounter with God, one of the rare encounters that he's had, that God spoke to him. And he thought, he thought, I, he thought after that, after that amazing, I thought everything would be a walk in the park, is what you would expect. He said, you know, well, God had spoken, told him to come to New Zealand, and he found that everything was anything but a walk in the park. Isn't it amazing that sometimes when you're following what God has told you to do, almost the opposite happens? You get a promise from God and you're ready. Here we go. And uh, children of Israel, hey, out of Egypt, let's go. Promised land. What was next? Wilderness. The opposite to what God had said. And that's when some people back off, think they didn't hear from God, or step away from uh, keeping maintaining their faith because it's not quite what they expect. And this is what happened to this guy. And um, he had to uh, do, he had a qualification from wherever he was coming from. But he had to study again, and he met so many problems. He said friends began to mock his encounter with God. Hey, listen, folks. Every so often, people are going to mock your faith, especially when you're stepping out on the edge and you're going after things. People are going to think, oh, you know, you, you know, your presumption or whatever. They may even, and his faith was starting to be mocked. And he said, I prayed, but God was silent for two years. He said, I began to fall away from God. God led me to Church Unlimited. My walk with God was restored. That was the first step. Then he said, when Pastor Tark spoke about prayers that get God's attention, I became very specific in my prayers about my job. What he had heard me was when I preached a message some time ago, a while ago, about Pastor Yongi Cho, when he was, got saved, yeah, he was dying of tuberculosis. God instantly healed him, but never healed his bladder. For 25 years, he ran to the bathroom more often than he wanted to. And he said, after 25 years, he said, God, why didn't you heal me? God said, well, you never asked me. Is there anything you haven't asked God? You better get in and ask. He should have asked 25 years earlier. But anyway, he tells a story of what he calls task prayer. Task prayer. So he said he walked up and down his office. He said, saying, bladder be healed, bladder be healed, bladder be healed, bladder be healed. For, up and down the office. He said, for two hours, he just prophesied, spoke, declared, bladder be healed, bladder be healed, bladder be healed. And by the end of two hours, he was completely healed by God. And what he said is that, you know, what we got to do, he said, you know, he said, when you're in prayer, he said, you've got to hit the nail on the head. All right, he said, so often when people, are, a good carpenter hits a nail on the head, a bad carpenter hits all around the wood, does a lot of damage and ends up with a 
black thumb. Any of you ever had a black thumb here? Yeah, okay. That's a bad carpenter. He said, when you're praying, he said, don't pray all around the world. Don't pray for everything that is happening. He said, hit the jolly head nail on the head. Go after the miracle you want and speak it into being. Declare it and prophesy over it and proclaim it. And he said, task prayer is what brings breakthrough and miracles in Jesus' name. You want to try it? So this guy heard this message. Two years of silence. He said, right, I'm going. He needed, yes. He said, I'm going after task prayer. I don't know how he did it. He went, God, give me a job. God, give me a job. God, give me a job. He said, within two days, he got the most unexpected phone call. And within a very short time, after two years of silence, he had a job. And God had come through for him. <laughs> task prayer. Think about it. Because sometimes it's like you're up against a wall of opposition. And you just got to keep hitting the target and keep going at it. You don't go here and there and all over the place. You just go right to the point and keep going in there until you smash through and have your breakthrough. Well, the next thing is Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. In other words... I was not sent to Gentiles, non-Jews like you. See, she was, she's not a Jew. She's a Gentile. I mean, talk about setbacks. Jesus says, well, basically, he's saying, look, I don't work miracles for people like you. Real friendly stuff, isn't it? A setback. That's what you're going to face on your journey of faith. There will be setbacks. There'll be times it's going to look like it's not happening and it's not going to happen. But this woman could not be deterred. That's why she's, Jesus says, hey, I've not seen such great faith anywhere. This is astounding. This is amazing because of all the obstacles that she faced. And she knew what was being said to her, that as an outsider, she had no right to make a claim on Jesus to heal. I think most of us probably would have quit at that point. But this is where her great faith emerges. Despite all that, she keeps on going. Do you know that? Great faith defies human logic. Human logic says, no, can't be done, won't happen, etc., and all the reasons why. But great faith goes beyond that. And you've heard it being said, you've probably heard it up here, how God spoke to me about taking a, a nation for Jesus, taking the nation of Tuvalu for Jesus. And, you know, I, I go around, I tell people all over the place uh, that we're going to take this nation for Jesus. And I know a lot of people look at me and think, you know, you, you are kidding, mate. You, you know, you, there's no way you are going to take a nation for Jesus. But great faith says, yes, you can take a nation for Jesus. And, yes, we will take the nation of Tuvalu for Jesus. Any other great faith people in this house? Some people are probably not here, but out there probably mocking me even when I say it. But hey, great faith goes beyond the mockings of people. All right, so let's keep following her story. Facing obstacles and all that Jesus is saying to her, what's she going to do next on her journey to faith? Verse 25 says, she came and worshipped him. Mm. Amazing. All the setbacks, all the silence. All the no-go, all the, I haven't come to minister to people like you, every discouragement possible, what would you have done? I probably would have turned my back and said, right, okay, Jesus, see ya. I probably would have been pretty mad, angry. I don't know what I would have been. 
but not this woman. She turns to worship Jesus in the midst of great disappointment. Remember another woman in the Bible? Hannah. Hannah's barren. Can't have kids. A great reproach in those days. What makes it worse is her husband has a second wife who's having all these kids. And she's mocking Hannah. And Hannah is in real bitterness of heart and soul. Not a bitter person, but just agonizing pain. So what does Hannah do? The Bible tells us she goes to the temple every year to worship. In the midst of her agony, she worships God. And both these women got what they were after eventually. They both got the desire of their hearts. So what do you do when God is silent? What do you do when there's no word of guidance? There's no healing. There's no breakthrough. There's no miracle. You pray and pray and nothing happens. What do you do? I want to say, be like these two great women of the Bible and worship Jesus. Keep worshiping him. Don't walk away from God. Counter all discouragement with worship because worship releases the power of heaven in our lives, in our churches, in our circumstances. I say, if you, the further down you are today, I say, sing louder. I say, shout more. I say, clap your hands. Even if you want to go a bit further, dance, lift those feet and start dancing around. Just push it all to another level. Praise and worship more than ever before. And that's the doorway to God breaking through in your life. You see, the Bible works in opposites, friends. You know, look, if you want to receive, you have to what? Give. If you want to reap, you have to? If you want to live, you have to? Die. If you want to gain, you have to? Lose. It's all the opposites. That's how biblical. You know, if you get the revelation of the opposites, you're going to start stepping into a new era of God's blessing in your life. I promise you that, because that's the way it works. So when you're down and out and discouraged and you're miserable, the last thing you want to do is sing. So the very thing you have to do is the opposite of what you want to do, and you worship, you sing, you praise, you lift your hands to the King and say, "God, I love you. You're awesome. You're powerful. You're mighty. You're wonderful." You lie down depressed, I'm telling you, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> Worship them. All right. Things get worse. Are we doing all right here? You okay? <clears throat> well, hold, fasten your seatbelts. Jesus spoke to the woman and said, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. So now he's calling her a dog. Uh-huh. Hmm. She knew what he was saying. The Jews were the children and the Gentiles were the dogs. Everybody knew that. The Jews saw God's blessing as the children's bread. The Gentiles were outsiders. They were the dogs. Maybe the Jews were watching this scenario take place. The Canaanite woman begging for a daughter to be healed. They're probably thinking to themselves, the blessing of God is for us Jews. We're not going to let the dogs in. So imagine here at Church of Mfongarei, there's a small group taking place. Family with three kids. Mother's putting out all the food to eat. So just before the meetings to start, they put the got two dogs. So they put the two dogs out, and she says, "Now whatever you do, don't let the dogs in." Puts out the food. There's some cheese and crackers and some chocolate biscuits and uh, sushi for those who don't understand what food really is. 
Why, why on God's planet would you eat seaweed? Can anyone ever explain that to me? I've noticed my staff in West, I don't know if it's the same up here, when they want a sick day on the next day, they always eat sushi the day before because it's guaranteed to make them sick. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so the, 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 um, a few minutes before the people arrive for small group and the, the dogs get in, they make a mess, muddy footprints. You know, there's dog here. They eat the crackers, the cheese, the chocolate, and they skip the sushi. Even the dogs miss that out. Okay. And so it's made a real mess. And everyone says, who let the dogs in? So who let the Gentile dogs into the kingdom of God? Well, it was God himself. God let the dogs in when he sent Jesus to break open the door of salvation and make a way for Gentiles like you and me to come in. Aren't you glad he let the dogs in? At this point, I was going to tell you to say to the person next to you, hey, dog, how you doing? If you dare, go ahead. It's all right. You're in. You're in. You're a dog, but you're in. (laughs) Still, still nobody wants to be called a dog. In Jesus' day, most dogs are ugly, strays, and scavengers. But when Jesus suggested to the Canaanite woman was a dog, he wasn't calling her by one of these stray dogs. You've got to look into the Greek, which I didn't look into. I just read it out of commentary. <coughs> he doesn't use that word for a stray dog. He uses a different word, which means a little pet family dog. So he wasn't insulting her. He wasn't even shutting the door on her. Immediately, her great faith sees the door open, just a glimmer of light. I'll come back to that in a second. Mark 7, 27 says, Jesus says, let the children be filled first in the same story. So first, when he said that, first, he was suggesting that there be a second. God's always intended the gospel to go first to the Jews and then second to the Gentiles. And she understood that. She responds. She said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. So she's admitting, yeah, okay, I'm an outsider. I accept that. I know I've got no claim to the children's bread. She just said, all I'm asking for is a few crumbs. She realized that a pet dog has a master. Is that right? Pet dogs have masters. And so she said, let, she said, dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So she said, okay, you can call me a dog, but if I'm a pet dog, it means I've got a master. Pet dogs have a master that provides for them. Those of you who have dogs understand this. She's saying, Jesus, you are my master. I know you're going to provide for me. How do you treat pet dogs? You feed them. You shelter them, you care for them. They're actually part of the family. Now watch her faith go into overdrive. What incredible faith and insight she had when she said to Jesus, I don't need a loaf of bread. In fact, I don't even need a slice of bread. All I need There's a few crumbs. Sorry about the whoever's a cleaner afterwards. From under 
the table. See, I don't need a whole lot. She said, Jesus, just one miserable little crumb of your power is enough for any miracle I will ever need in my life. The God who created the universe, who threw the billions of stars into place, created the galaxies, friends, who upholds the world by the word of his power. Friends, he is able to do anything at all. You don't need a lightning shock from heaven. You don't need a a thunderclap. You don't need some massive deluge of God's power for your breakthrough. All you need is one miserable little crumb of God's power, and that will be enough for you to get your miracle, enough for you to get your breakthrough. And any one of us, friends, can have one crumb of power. You see, sometimes we think we need so much. God, God, there's a big, big problem I got. Man, God, you're going to have to come through big time for me. No! He doesn't have to come through big time through you, friends. He just needs to come through with one miserable, tiny, little crumb of God's power. is enough to work the greatest need in this auditorium today. It doesn't take all heaven to come on board for you, friends, but just one crumb of God's amazing power. And you know the good news about that, friends? Any of us can have faith for a crumb, for a crumb of power. What is the miracle you're needing today? What is the breakthrough you need today, friends? Please don't think it's got to be some massive intervention of God. No, you don't need a loaf of bread of God's power. You don't even need a slice of his power. Just this little crumb. How many of you can believe for a crumb of God's power? Give me a wave. Give me a wave. Does that lift your faith or what? Does that give you hope? Does that give you, you know, a future? Because so often we think, you know, I'm just a poor, weak little Christian. And man, I need such a big miracle. And you think you need big faith. They're saying, no, you don't. That's why her faith was so great. That's why Jesus said, I've not seen such great faith, not even in all of Israel. Just one touch of his garment, and you've got it. Okay, there's a bit more here. She's also humble. She was okay being called a dog. She was okay getting just crumbs. There was no, hey, Jesus, you can't call me a dog. Anyway, by the way, Jesus, why, why me? Well, why is it my door? Why isn't, how come I'm, I've got short, drawn the short straw? Friends, there's nothing of that. There's no angst. There's no bitterness. There's no resentment. There's no unforgiveness towards God. There's this humility. God, I'm a dog. Yeah, fine. Just, just, just I know I can't eat at the table, but just, just a crumb. James 14, humble yourselves in the sight of God and he will lift you up. Humility is a key to miracles and breakthroughs in our lives. I remember a number of, a while ago, not that long ago, I was really struggling. People someone to look at me and think, man, he, he never has any problems. He's always smiling and jumping up and down and around. Don't be fooled by the outward appearance. I'm human like anyone else. So a few months ago, I was really struggling big time. Just an area of my life, just an just area of my serving God, and it just... I don't know, it just really got to me. And I was discouraged, I was depressed, I was downcast. And I just couldn't kick this thing. I just couldn't get rid of it. And I didn't tell, I didn't tell a soul. Isn't it interesting how we just don't tell anyone? What, what is that? Why, why do we keep things so secret? I don't know, I, I preach against it, but I still do it myself. 
And so I just kept it hidden away in my heart. And, and, you know, I guess I was too embarrassed to say anything to anyone. So finally, when I'm just about at the end of myself, I pluck up enough courage to tell Adrian what was going on. And being the person she is, she's fully understood. And she just prayed for me virtually immediately. Just straight away, she let me pray for you. So by the time she had finished praying, within a very short time, I just had, there was just, just everything changed. There was this breakthrough that came. The discouragement went. The depression lifted off. And in that area where I was concerned, God just began to work in amazing ways. You know what the key was? I had to humble myself before God and, and tell Adrian what was going on. And as soon as God saw that, it just surprises me that humility could be such a big key to a breakthrough. You know, most of us are lean towards being a bit proud in situations, you know? But humility is a real great key. But there's another thing about this woman is that for her great faith is she has shameless persistence. It's like she said, Jesus, I don't care what you say. Take note, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here, you know, till the very end. There's just, you can say anything you like. You can discourage me as much as you want. You can say no a thousand times, but I ain't going anywhere till I get what I want. Shameless persistence. You see, what we're like, you know, with our kids. Dad, can we go to McDonald's? No. Dad, can we go to McDonald's? No. Dad, can we go to McDonald's? No. Anyone know what I'm talking about? We get mad. Like we think, shut up, you kids. Well, no, you can't do that now, can you? Can you, Stephen? You can't. Can you still do that? Yeah, I'll leave you alone. Okay, won't go there. That, that's what we're like. We get so mad with this incessant. God loves it. God loves it. Tell the person next to you, God loves shameless persistence. Go and tell them. Some people need to hear that. Don't, don't, don't give up on it. My time is gone. We're just about done. Finally, she believed what Jesus said. Mark 7, 29 to 30. He said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon's gone out of your daughter. When she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out. Her daughter lying on the bed. Once Jesus gave her the word, she believed it and left. Your daughter's healed. Well, if it was me, I would say, well, God, how do I know? <laughs> like, proof? Evidence? Something? Sign? Angel? Any, got anything? You've re, you know, you've rebuked me, you've criticized me, you've called me a dog, you've discouraged me, you said you're not going to do anything for me, and now you just say your daughter's healed? Great faith believes what God says to us. God, God's great faith believes the prophetic words that we receive, that we are given. And my question to you this morning is, what has God spoken to you? What has he said to you? What promises? What prophecies? Are you taking God at his word and believing what he has said and acting out in accordance with it, in faith, trusting him? And he will do what he said that he will do. You know, for Church Unlimited, God's spoken so many things of having massive impact, you know, both globally and locally and nationally and all the rest of it. You know, acceleration of expansion, many campuses, new era of conquest, momentum that never ends, all those things. I want to say to you, folks, let's not question what God has said. Let's believe the promises. 
Let's act according to them and let's have great faith because that's what's going to release God to work for us. Jeremiah 32, 27, I am the Lord, is anything too hard for me? Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call unto me and I'll answer you and show you great and mighty things. Just when the people have given up, God sends Moses. When the Israelites think they've reached a dead end, God parts the Red Sea. Just when the battle seems too hard, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. When the sin seems too great, David is forgiven. Just when the disciples fear they're going to drown, Jesus calms the storms. When the Romans and Jews think they've rid the world of Jesus, God raises him from the dead. And just when the world least expects it, he will come again. I can have the musicians, please. Won't need the singers initially, just the musicians will do, thanks. No matter how, not that I didn't like the singers or anything, I've got no, no, nothing against you guys. I mean, you did it fantastic, actually. No matter how desperate you need today, I want to encourage you to be like this woman. Turn to Jesus with all your heart. Despite silence, keep worshipping. Take your worship to another level. Be humble. Persist. Don't give up. And believe what God has spoken to you. The same power that healed this woman's daughter is available for you today. You don't need a whole loaf of God's power. You don't even need a slice of His almighty power. Just one crumb. Can you receive a crumb this morning of God's power? It's enough to deal with the most serious issues and problems. Would you stand with me, please? God's presence is here, folks. Just receive from the Spirit of God. Receive that injection of faith into your situation. Reach out for that crumb of God's power. Take it home with you. And I leave different from how you walked in these doors. It's just an impartation of faith happening right now. As you open your spirit up to God, as you open your heart up to God this morning, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You've heard the word this morning. Let faith arise.
hands of one or two people here, maybe more that you're saying right now, this is not for me. This won't work for me. I believe the Holy Spirit saying to you, no, this is for you. This can work for you. It can work for anyone. No mountains too high, no valleys too deep, no problem too difficult. Just pray for the next few minutes. People here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You're not a Christian. You're not saved. Maybe you're in a dire situation, a problem on your hands, or maybe your life's going pretty cool for you, but somehow you've found yourself and got your way into the service. Can I say here, you're not here by chance. You're here by divine appointment. God orchestrated your entire life so you'd be in this service to hear this message. And uh, be a part of what's happening right now. If you don't know Jesus, you're not a Christian, you're not saved, I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Jesus this morning. Or maybe you are backslidden, maybe you're away from God. It's time to come back to Him. I want to give you an opportunity to do that in just a moment. You know, it says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's Satan. He steals, kills, he destroys. That's what he did to this woman. If you stick with him, he'll wreck your life. Maybe he already has. He certainly wrecked my life before I got saved. But then the verse goes on to say, but I have come, Jesus says, to give you life, life abundantly. Jesus comes to bless you, to do you good, to heal, to set free, to answer the deepest cries of your heart. I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus this morning. If that is you, you're not a Christian and you want to be, you'll let me pray for you. Or you're backslidden way, way, way from God this morning. You're saying, right, you're speaking to me. I'm coming back. If that is you in either of those categories, would you indicate that to me? You want to be saved and get right with God by just simply raising your hand right now. And just hold it up for a few moments until I see it, until I acknowledge it. And then in about two minutes' time, we're going to pray a very simple prayer. Prayer of salvation. Prayer of getting your life right with God. Please don't wait for anyone else. You know this morning if you're saved, if you're a Christian, you know if you're not. And if you aren't, I'm talking to you. You know if you're not. Okay, right up the back there, sir. Fantastic. 